You know, the uh, advertising industry has radically changed in the past 20 or 30 years. In fact, it's becoming more and more based upon the philosophy of appealing to human selfishness rather than advertising a product. There's hardly a product today that is not advertised without the appeal to human selfishness, not necessarily need. Whether it is a cream or shampoo or a soap or whatever it may be, the idea is, well, it may be expensive, but I am worth it. You just have to have it. And you have to have it your way. Now, this product might cost more, but you deserve the best. You have worked hard for this. You have worked hard for that. Therefore, go and get it. (laughs) Now, whether you need it or not, that's beside the issue. We have looked at certain types of noxious weeds that specialize in choking off one of the fruit of the Spirit. And today, I think if there is a specific weed that specializes in choking off the fruit of the Spirit, known as kindness, it is selfishness. In fact, selfishness is the daughter of pride. And please listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. The people who are selfish are the very people who feel that they have the right to be selfish. I want you to distinguish in your mind the difference between the occasional feeling when you get preoccupied or tired or emotionally drained or spiritually drained and you don't feel like showing kindness. That is different from being selfish. So when somebody tries to characterize your life, don't allow somebody else to define who you are. You have to define who you are by reading, understanding, and comprehending the Word of God. Selfish people know and believe that they have the right to be selfish. So don't go on a guilt trip if you don't have to. Well, if you do, there's a remedy for that too. Selfish people feel that they have every reason in the world to seek their own pleasure. They feel that they have every right to look out for themselves. They feel justified in vigorously pursuing their desires. They consider no cost too high for the pursuit of one exhilarating experience after another. All of this, of course is creating a big problem in our society. It's creating a humongous, gigantic problem, and we are beginning to see it. Now, you have to be blind spiritually not to be able to see this. But we are clearly seeing it right now. And the problem is this. It is the choking of biblical kindness. It is the choking off of kindness in society. Listen to me, please. I'm going to tell you something that is of uttermost importance and based on the authority of the Word of God. Either kindness will conquer selfishness or selfishness will choke off kindness. The two cannot exist together. They cannot coexist. Something else happening to us as a society. 
When society craves selfishness, we pervert kindness. We pervert the very concept of kindness. We invert biblical kindness. And that is why you find that so many of those who are fighting hard for the right to kill babies in mother's wombs are the very people who are fighting hard for who are animal rights activists. They will be happy to prosecute a man as they did in New England for killing a rat. But when it comes to killing a baby in the womb, oh, that's an act of kindness, of a choice. You see what I mean by inverting? You see what I mean by perverting? That's exactly what's happening here. Let me just lighten things up a little bit and tell you about a true story. Those of you, dog lovers are going to like this story. It's a great story. And it's a true story. A man was traveling at night in his car. He got caught in the middle of a dreadful storm. I mean, he just could not see. The rain was pelting down, coming in sheets, and, and it was dark. And there, the wind was blowing so hard, and, and literally was a, a zero visibility. He cannot see a thing. So the driver looked at the passenger seat where his dog was sitting, and he said, this is a very bad one, Fufu. This is really a bad one. <laughs> Fufu the dog traveled everywhere with his owner. And no sooner the man said that to his dog than he looked out in the distance and saw a motel on the side of the road, right in the middle of nowhere. And he was absolutely flabbergasted. He said, what luck, Fufu, (laughs) what luck, he thought as he drove in front of the hotel. And he walked there with his beloved dog in his hand. And he said to the proprietor sitting behind the desk, he said, "Uh, I like a room for the night. And the man said, sorry, we are filled up. He said, well, uh, I can sleep on this couch and pay you for the room. No, this is where I sleep. And the man said, look, you know, it's really bad out there. And the storm is dreadful. And just don't let me go out there. The man behind the desk just shrugged. So the man walks out. And just before he reached the door, the man said to him behind the desk, he said, Mister, you have to leave that pup here. I wouldn't turn out a dog on a night like this. (laughs) Well, we're kind of to animals than we are to people. Let me tell you something. Biblical kindness is not looked upon kindly by a large segment of our society today. They feel that kindness carries a cost that they are not prepared to pay. They say... It is too time-consuming. It is too demanding. Kindness has a habit of interfering with our plans. Kindness has a habit of interfering with our privacy. Kindness has a habit of interfering with our indulgences. This certainly was Lady Macbeth's complaint concerning her husband. When she said, I'm afraid... He is filled with the milk of human kindness. Lady Macbeth, to her, there was no room for anything as inconvenient as taking time to be kind to those whom she felt that would be more wonderful out of the way. 
to Lady Macbeth, people existed to be used, and then they were expendable. I want to tell you something. It is sad to say that, and it honestly breaks my heart to say it. But I think today, this day, we probably have more followers of Lady Macbeth attitude than we have followers of Jesus Christ. And no wonder we are in the moral mess that we're in, in this society. But the Spirit-filled life, says the Scripture, the Spirit-filled believer, the Spirit-filled, which is daily act on the part of every one who claims to be a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. Far from seeing kindness as inconvenience, but rather it's part of the real fruit that is produced in the Spirit-filled life. Far from seeing kindness as distraction, it is one of the visible evidence of the Spirit-filled life. Far from seeing kindness as the quaint characteristics that does not belong to the 21st century. It is the basic necessity for the Christian life. You have to ask yourself the question as we're going through the series of messages, the fruit of the Spirit. Because every one of these nine represents the character of God. And the question you and I need to ask ourselves is this. As we live in a time that is becoming more and more hostile to Christians, more and more hostile to the Christian faith, are we ready to imitate our Heavenly Father and His characteristics, or are we ready to imitate the enemy of God and His works of the flesh? That's the question. You see, God, it's out of His kindness that He made a covenant with the people of Israel. It is out of His kindness that He kept the covenant when they were rebellious. He kept the covenant when they were disobedient. He kept the covenant when they cussed God. He kept the covenant when they hated God. He kept the covenant when they turned their backs on God. It is of the kindness of God that He left the splendor of heaven and the glory of the majesty of heaven in order to become a man. It is of His kindness Though He is perfect in every way, sinless in every way, and yet He hung on a criminal's cross, that's the kindness of God. It is of His kindness that He does not judge us as we deserve. It is of His kindness that He accepts repentant sinners. People who shook their fist at God. People who hated God. When they repent of their sins. When they turn to Jesus Christ as Savior. He receives them. And He doesn't call them anything but son, daughter. That's what He does. That's the kindness of God. Are you want to be like your daddy? It is of His kindness that He provides for us every day. It is overwhelming when you think of the kindness of God. It is overwhelming. And it's only those who have been blinded by the enemy that they are spiritually become myopic. They refuse to see the kindness of God and the goodness of God working in their life every single day. Like many of the fruit of the Spirit, kindness has to grow. It has to grow. You cannot say, well, today I am going to decide to be kind. 
Well, tell me if it works. Please call me. I want to know. If you make that decision, it works for you, I want to know it. It is the outflow of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there are some people who are nice, so nice, they make you sick. You know, you know the type I'm talking about? I mean, they're just so nice. And then when they become Christians, they become even nicer. <laughs> now, I'm talking to my fellow believers who without the inner filling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, they would have been dangerous. I'm one of them. I have to work on being filled of the Spirit every single day. And because I get filled of the Spirit and empty myself of myself, be filled of the Spirit of God, I am able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Without that, you wouldn't want to talk to me. And I wouldn't want to talk to you. (laughs) The fruit will grow as you see to it. Daily be filled of the Spirit of God. The fruit will grow as you daily cultivate the tree of your life. And you pull out those noxious weeds of selfishness every single day. Not just on Sundays. I am absolutely amazed. As most of you know, I know a little bit of history. (laughs) And, And I'm absolutely amazed at how long even the fruit of the Spirit linger on after the Holy Spirit has left. I'm serious. There are many evidence in history that will tell you this. And I'm going to share with you just one example of the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit after the Spirit has already gone. I read about how in 1940, a group of sociologists got together and they conducted a survey in 43 American cities. 43 American cities in 1940. And they want to know which is the kindest city in the United States. Guess which one? Rochester, New York. Was the kindest city. A group of sociologists saw this and studied it, and they said, you know, this must be a fluke back then. So between 1990 and 1992, they conducted another survey. This was an elaborate survey. They would go out and test people, literally. Test them to see if they're kind or not. I mean, it's a very involved study. Sure enough, Rochester, New York, number one again. And a writer decided to find out. He said, I want to know why in the world this particular city was the kindest city. He discovered that the city's history of kindness and generosity went back to its earlier days. When Charles Finney, the great evangelist, when Charles Finney conducted six months of nightly meetings and prayer meetings, And during those six months, which we call the second great awakening in America, during those six months, thousands and thousands of people came to Christ. Oh, God, give us another revival. And one of the mark of this particular revival in Rochester was that the new believers renounced their selfishness publicly and they began to give themselves freely. This writer traced a century and a half of track records of generosity and kindness back to its roots, which is the Holy Spirit of God. Before I get carried away, which I can easily do, I I want to get myself back in gear. and, And I want to tell you several things about kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Write them down. They come out of my experience. Several things about the fruit of kindness. As you continue to live 
the spirit-filled life, remember the following. Number one, one of the most helpful ways to cultivate kindness is by putting yourself in another person's place. And that's not easy. It's not easy because you don't try. It's just you forget. <laughs> we often forget, and I have to confess to you publicly, in dealing with our children, it was very easy for me to forget what it was like for me to be a teenager. It is so easy to forget. You know, rigidity and lack of sympathy is always the result of forgetting Forgetting our own shortcomings, forgetting our own past needs, forgetting our own failures, forgetting our own weaknesses, forgetting the fact that it is because of the kindness of others we are where we are. Unlike Diotrephes of the third epistle of John, John was talking about how kind the congregation is. But this one man, He was so lover of self. He is so selfish. He was so self-centered that he would have nothing to do with the others. And he refused to be in fellowship with the others. The second thing I want to tell you about kindness is this. There are some Christians who show kindness to others. And yet they are incapable of showing kindness to themselves. They manifest kindness to others. And yet... They are unmercifully hard on themselves. They let their past failure, they let their past sins control their life and control their future. I want you to imagine just for a moment if the Apostle Paul allowed the thought of him standing there holding the clothes of Stephen as he was stoned to death. If he allowed himself to constantly be filled in his mind with the times when he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. If he filled his mind with these thoughts, he could never have accomplished for God what he had accomplished. And that is why he said, I make it a practice in my life to forget what's behind, to forget what's back there, and strain forward toward the goal, to the glory of Christ Jesus. Some Christians know and believe that they have been forgiven by God, but they have a hard time forgiving themselves. And the devil uses this to constantly pull them back and build a stronghold in their lives. Although I must admit, somehow in the past 20 years, I'm I'm finding these folks are becoming extinct as society is constantly squeezing us into the other way of selfishness and self-centeredness. The third thing I want to tell you about the fruit of kindness is this. It is about the ability to receive kindness. Although the Lord has shown me some years earlier that this is nothing but pride, pure and simple. I have a hard time receiving and accepting kindness. I have a hard time with it. Just believe me. I struggle with it. And I remember a dear friend of mine and a mentor years ago said to me, he said, do you realize that you are depriving people of the joy of showing kindness to you when you constantly refuse it? It took a long time for that to sink in and still sinking in. The fourth thing I want to tell you about the fruit of kindness is this. It will not grow in your life if you keep on having an imaginary war in your head. What do I mean by that? You keep an imaginary war going on in your head when you muse over a disagreement with your spouse. A disagreement with a friend. A disagreement with a fellow worker. 
And what you do, you build this so big in your head that it becomes only real in your head, not outside of your head. Do you understand what I'm saying, even if you don't agree? (laughs) The imaginary war is by giving harbor in your mind to imaginary thoughts in your mind alone. And it becomes worse in your head than in reality. And it keeps you from exercising and growing the fruit of kindness. And to tell you something else about it, it, it will keep on getting worse until eventually you eliminate the possibility of kind acts toward anybody. Your motto will become, do unto others before they have a chance to do unto you. This is a true story of a man who was uh, going on the farm road and he had a flat tire. He looked in his trunk. He didn't have a jack. He said, boy, I need a jack. So he looked over there and at the distance he saw a farmhouse. And he said, I'll go over there. I asked the farmer to lend me his jack. But on his way over there, as he was walking, he began to build one of those wars, the imaginary war in his head. Well, what about if he gets mad at me for inconveniencing him? Man, what about if he attacks me? Well, what about if he comes up with a shotgun and he wants to shoot me? And how can I defend myself? And in what if? And what if? And what if? And he kept going and he built this incredible war scenario in his head until he got to the door and he knocked on the door and the man opened the door. He said, I don't want you, stupid Jack. <laughs> and the last thing that I want to tell you about human kindness is that it grows as you exercise it. As you begin to show kindness, you'll find yourself empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to exercise more kindness and more often until it becomes part of you. A distinguished judge said the following words. He said, I have seen hundreds of juveniles, offenders, with their parents come into my courtroom. Hundreds. Yet never once, once of all these years, never once have I seen one parent touch the youngster or put his arm around his shoulders or show physical sign of affection. Not once. And I could not help when I heard this to contrast this with the father In the parodical story in Luke chapter 15, the Bible said the father of the parodical fell on his son's neck and kissed him. Beloved friends, in the world of selfishness, in a world when selfishness is looked upon as a virtue, in a world where selfishness, that noxious weed, is trying to choke off kindness. The Bible tells us that those who belong to Jesus Christ, the elect of God, the church of Jesus Christ, those who live the Spirit-filled life, are to daily, daily grow the fruit of kindness. Are you? Shall we pray? The Spirit of God has spoken to you. Somebody that you need to show kindness to. Somebody who's done great things for you and you took it for granted. And maybe even God himself. 
You took him for granted, his goodness, his mercy, and his grace, and his love, his provision between you and God. I need to show kindness. I need to make that phone call and, and tell somebody I am grateful for you. I thank God for you. You're a giant in my life. And begin today and every coming day. Learn what it is to empty yourself and fill your life with the Spirit of God. God is longing to use His believers, His children in this fallen world that is becoming more and more hostile toward Christ. But He can't use us if we are imitators of this world and living the way they do and constantly, selfishly wanting more. Say, Lord, I want to be used. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Move upon me today, and He will. Oh God, You're such a gracious God. You're an incredibly kind God. Your kindness is beyond description. You made the sun shine this morning. You let the grass grow. Oh God, you've done things that so we take so for granted that we don't even comprehend. Oh God, you permitted us to hear your word and hear your voice. Oh God, you're kind God. Your kindness is beyond description. And we rejoice in your kindness this morning, Lord. We praise you for your kindness, our God. And oh Lord, we pray that you will fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of kindness, that we will be able to be used in a mighty way, in a true way. Husbands, wives, and children, fathers, mothers, oh God, we pray that there will be kindness, kindness between believers, kindness between brothers and sisters in Christ, kindness even to those who are declaring themselves to be the enemy of the cross. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.